0: I've honestly, I think I've just started doing that. I'm like, no, how about, how about next Monday? And they're like, no, you should really have it in by now. I was like, "Mm, but no, it's worked quite
1: well.
2: Yeah, but I can't do that to, um, like, jobs and other things, like... Yeah, but, I mean, if it's just people,
0: then... Oh yeah, if it's just I'll just do it to people. I had a really great thing the other day where I was like, someone got in contact with me for the first time in like five months about an article that I was supposed to perhaps have written for them. And I was like, yeah, I didn't do that because you never got back in touch with the deadline. And and now I'm just going to say, no, I'm not I'm not writing it. And they were like, oh, I'm so sorry for not doing this. I'm like, I have no energy. I don't even remember what this abstract was. It sounds like shit. Um <laughs> so honestly it's it's not it's not you it's me (laughs) my research is trash and I have zero energy it's better it's you're better off without me
2: that's a good use of the word trash there Alex I noticed that
1: trash
2: what finally I guess guested on a another podcast and uh i i don't know why i was looking at reviews i, I was just i was just I was, I, I was being um but it wasn't just a review of my episode it was just a review of the podcast and i only had like a few reviews one of them being uh that louise Creakin is trash <laughs> 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 and because i had the audacity um, to make the comment that Charles Dickens, when he literally built a wall in the bedroom like to separate himself from his wife that he wanted to divorce, and his repeated attempts to put her in an asylum, might be called an entitled straight white man. So apparently my entitled straight white man comment was, just trash. unsuitable and I am trash. Hello and welcome to Law My Praxis. This week we're speaking with modernist bookworm, Dr Rachel Murray. Rachel is currently a Leverhulme Early Career Fellow based in the School of English at the University of Sheffield and is interested in all things creepy and crawly that isn't a Tory MP. Perhaps the only good thing to come out of 2020 was her first book, The Modernist Exoskeleton, Insects, War, Literary Form, which was published by EUP. Having grown bored of maggots and mops, Rachel is now moving on to a new venture, which looks at the marine aesthetics of attachment through things that cling. Mollusks. Mollusks. That's why you made me do it, because I can't (laughs) say it. I lost... mollusk. Yeah. Urchins and Alexandra Campbell. Yay! Welcome to Great Doll. Like I I knew you were suspicious when you were like, "Do you want to do the intro? (laughs) Do you want to do the intro?
1: (laughs) I like Molochs. Molochs, like a swear (laughs) word."
0: yeah it sounds a little bit like a mixture of that what is it Moloch that kind of um the god of greed yes Ooh,
2: yes I mean yeah was, Moloch and Moloch. because I was going like rise with bollocks um, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, no actually it
0: relates to that kind of like you know the, the god of greed yeah very impressive <laughs> well,
2: thanks for joining us <laughs>
0: I mean, do bo- I think bollocks do cling, though. I don't have any, so I don't really know. But from what I see from people adjusting themselves all the time, they seem to cling. So it works.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That could be a chapter, actually. I'll, I'll...
0: <laughs> the cling of bollocks. Okay, so the kazoo intro, you know the deal, maybe. Um, maybe you don't. <laughs> just assuming that we're now big enough that people understand what's going on no okay so the format with kazoo is we will play you um your own intro jingle because obviously we cannot afford copyright of actual songs so this is our way of doing it for free um and you have to try and guess the song and why it might be relevant to you and your research
1: okay oh my goodness okay
0: i put lipstick on today because i've been feeling sad because lockdown's shit and i was like maybe if i wear something that makes me feel good i'll I'll feel better. So now I'm gonna wreck my lipstick by playing this kazoo. So you're you're all welcome. <clears throat> Don't interrupt! Don't interrupt! Okay, there we go. <laughs> <lost> <laughs>
1: that was sensational. Wasn't it? Yeah. Do you have any breath left? <laughs> <after> <laughs> giving, it, giving it your giving, all? It, No, I don't. So I am thinking maybe that you were just playing. Let it I be. I was.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: And I'm wondering if it's a pun on B. As in a buzzing bee through the buzzing
0: cuisine. Indeed, and also, who is it written by? Oh gosh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> the, the Beatles. Beatles. Oh uh, my god! Uh, yes. I mean,
2: that, that that was the one that I mean, I. Was I mean, going I did. I I, 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 I,
0: I, it was, I, was a two foot yeah. this time. Around. I was like, I'll go for Let It Be because it says B, and then it's by the Beatles.
2: Excellent.
0: Perfect. Ideal. Yes,
2: of course. I mean, I didn't yeah. bee <laughs>
0: So um, tell our dear listeners, why is Let It Be and the Beatles um, in any way relevant to you as a person?
1: Well, now that I have remembered that it was by the Beatles, um... <laughs> my favourite band, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I can confidently say that it's an insect reference yes. to my insecty research. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is is there anything else to it? I'm thinking, like, am I? I mean, I don't know. Is there an element?
0: If anything, it was more just sort of like a a mantra to myself because it's January and it's all a song about like hope and perseverance, I guess. But that's that was very personal. That wasn't for you. That's fine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, when the night's cloudy, there's a light. There's still a light that shines on me. Shine until tomorrow. Let it be. Like you're gonna be okay. Everything's all right, everyone. Let Mm -hmm. it be. Let
2: it be. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah
2: also bees are good for the world yes <laughs> yep yep, yep. <laughs> that is my that's, that's my your insect takeaway.
0: knowledge right there Yeah. that's <laughs> <much
2: it. laughs> Yeah. Um, <so. laughs>
1: that's about the rhino as well so
0: oh no well we have all these really in-depth questions and you're- <laughs> what are your thoughts on the recent kind of like legitimization of neonicotinoids in the uk uh-
2: <laughs> Yes. Where the fuck oh. did that come from, Alex? Oh, I, I, that was that yesterday. Was yesterday. I actually
0: do care about that.
2: <laughs> yeah. oh. Okay. So yeah, we asked you for your Tinder bio. I was wondering if you could share and we could decide whether we're swiping yes. left or right.
1: Um, okay, I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it was insects, not italicized, incest.
0: Yes, that was it. That that was it. It was like, all all I have is Rachel Murray into insects, not incest. Yeah. 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 Yeah,
2: I thought that was... I mean, I'm a little bit suspicious about the clarification. Yeah, I've got to to say, like, how often
0: does this come up in terms of, like, you need to clarify that intensely?
1: I think I've been misheard twice. And both times it was usually in, like, a loud pub-type setting. In the club. Where (laughs) I said... Yeah, in the club where I frequent, (laughs) normal times, Um, where I'd said what what my PhD Mm. project was or my research was, and then you know with a with a smile of kind of excitement, I said insects, and then the person had misheard me, and couldn't sort of look perplexed like why are you smiling about that? That seems slightly (laughs) tasteless. Or like <laughs> creepy. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, so I think this only happened twice, but both times it kind of it's a, well, it made me think, like, hmm, interesting that those words are so similar. But also that's that what I kind of consider I don't know, like maybe 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 it's that insects are so niche that people think incest because that's more of a mainstream topic, or maybe I don't know. It's it sort of gets you thinking, doesn't it, about the kind of obscurity of research mm-hmm. and like what? Because did you
0: did you qualify it and so I was like, oh, what do you study? Oh, like you know, insects and modernism. Because like I could also understand incest in modernism being like a thing. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. Usually I start with insects in literature if I'm if I'm just meeting like someone who I don't even know mm-hmm. anything about, them and then
0: you like gauge like what's think- their what's their level of knowledge about literary time periods and different sort of movements. There we go. Yeah.
2: That's yeah are they going to challenge me on the arbitrariness of periodization <laughs> always a risk always a risk. Yeah. always
1: a risk how are you defining modernism yeah that's that's what I'm fearing every time <laughs> I have to tell them. I don't know how I'm defining it no. um yeah so I think that's where where the tinder bios come mm-hmm. from is from misunderstandings
0: uh, I mean, I, it, it's a good one because like, it makes me like, obviously uh, we have been intrigued enough to ask more questions. And also like now I'm slightly disappointed like why there is not more incest research that, that I've come across. Um,
2: insects, <laughs> it could be a, could be a new project, yeah. <laughs> do, do, do insects have incest. Like, I was trying to say it, but then I just ended up lisping through it. Like, is it
0: something that insects engage in? I
2: mean, I would... Um, I would
1: imagine so. I mean they, they get up to all sorts. Cannibalism, like the you name it, they've done it. They're far more pioneer pioneering in terms of their behaviors, um, whether it be deathly, murderous sexual behaviors than humans. We've got a lot to learn from I
0: mean them. that's where we should all be aiming towards, right? <laughs> exactly. In terms of that's the logic the, the logical the no the logical endpoint of um sexual liberation is to be able to eat your lover with zero consequences yeah yes yeah. okay army
2: hammer I mean, are
1: you, are oh my know? goodness i saw that at five o'clock in the morning i woke up i couldn't sleep i checked twitter that came up on my feed and i could not get back to sleep i was so freaked Sorry,
2: what's out. happened about army hammer so yeah well he has cannibal fantasies and he's been sliding into people's dms with the cannibal fantasies what was that this year yeah though this year is too much i can't yeah. handle it army hammer no mm. oh.
1: the worst thing about it is that i feel it's ruined call me yeah i was about to me. say
0: <laughs> we had a, a a podcast episode which will be released um before this one goes out which we discuss that in depth um particularly the peach scene mm. um but yeah mm-hmm. so oh it, it
2: oh, yeah. That. well i haven't edited it yet so maybe i'll put a disclaimer at the beginning like uh we do not condone that i think maybe you'll have to
1: <laughs> what the yeah because yeah, he's being cancelled as we speak so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i, I mean worry. in terms of how
0: cancellation culture can cancel goes me. like i'm pretty i'm okay with the cancellation of cannibalism you know
2: like i think that's yeah. a pretty pretty yeah.
0: easy line to draw yeah and
2: um, there was another that so that happened but also azealia banks have you seen this no. something about cooking a dead
1: cat or something like, yeah. I was like what? What, what kind
0: of twitter humans. elements are you guys subscribed to why do i not get these updates how am i so out of the loop about cannibalism and cat cooking what the fuck is going on
2: <laughs> uh, you're I'm
0: not all, all i'm doing is on tiktok looking at fucking sea shanties and having a great time like what is this weird oh, yes. cannibal culture i don't understand <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, she digged up, digged up, dug up a dead cat that um, has been dead for a good few months and uh, there's a video that seems to be her boiling it. Um,
0: I mean, this yeah. just puts the whole Ariana Grande licked a donut into very different kind of categories of what's acceptable behavior, you know? <laughs> uh, honestly, take me, take me back to the point where fucking the worst thing that happened was Ed Miliband couldn't eat a fucking sandwich, right? That was it. That's the point.
2: Chaos. Oh, chaos. Chaos with Ed Miliband. Oh, though, to like... be
0: back in those Halcyon days. Christ.
2: Uh, <laughs> <I> remember <laughs> when we thought
0: that was the
2: worst remember
0: thing that happened? Oh my God. A punishing workload model. Yeah, to try and bring it back on topic <laughs> is. Like, do you engage with any of these kind of questions of um post-humanism or looking at the insect as a way of like reflecting upon human morality and behavior? Like what what kind of insect is Army Hammer?
1: <laughs> well, that is a that's a big question. Um I'll sidestep the um army hammer Sure, insect Please spend,
0: feel now. feel free.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's had enough coverage from us. Um but the post-humanism question, I think, yeah, so my um, my final chapter, so my kind of coda or mm-hmm. my conclusion um, is, is kind of looking at, like, insects in literature, experimental literature post-1945 or that kind of period, post-Second World War, and thinking about, yeah, more kind of contemporary examples and then also thinking about kind of more um, contemporary theoretical engagements with insects mm-hmm. and... I suppose maybe the conclusion that I come to is that like when modernist writers are thinking about insects, in some ways they're thinking about the kind of, the kind of boundary Mm. or the shell, if you like, of what separates the human from the non-human and the kind of, the kind of fragility of that boundary and the desire to kind of shore up a human identity when the threat of kind of being dehumanized by Kind of the forces of like industrial modernity, capitalism mean that the kind of the very, um, the kind of outline of what it means to be human is sort of endangered Mm -hmm. and that people feel that they're sort of slipping almost as in like down the kind of chain of being or to Mm -hmm. some kind of or um, debased form of life. But then the flip side of that is that at the same time, people are kind of feeling anxious about losing humanness. They're also discovering how amazing insects Mm -hmm. are in terms of their their kind of behaviors and their sophistication so there's a kind of double-edgedness there's a sort of like help me i'm turning into an insect but then the other side of that is like oh wow insects are amazing and human beings have a lot to learn from them oh, so that like, would just be such
0: of- a great different like trajectory of story to the metamorphosis right where it's like gregor samsa awoke to find out he was a gigantic cockroach and that was fucking baller like could you imagine like <laughs> <laughs> he had a great day
1: it's <laughs> <laughs> actually a bit in in um, SamSA's Kind of uh, journey where he sort of learns how to hang from the ceiling. Oh yeah! And Ooh. actually, he's having a great time up there. He feels lighter. He feels freer. And he feels like he can do things with his body that mm-hmm. he couldn't. There's a kind of liberating. And and actually, that's a kind of part of the story that I feel gets overlooked. Mm-hmm. That there, there's this constant kind of negative. Oh, he's 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 a lowly cockroach, etc. etc. And okay, he does end up like dead and sort of like this kind of. <laughs> So, I mean, we can't overlook that. I mean, he that does become like a, a husk. Aspect. But
0: before then, he can do really fucking sick push-ups and, like, pull-ups. Like, I mean, who can do a pull-up? <laughs> Not many people, I assume. <laughs>
2: now, three years of CrossFit and I still can't fucking do a pull-up.
0: I reckon oh. Gregor Samsa would have been fucking great at CrossFits. Yeah. Yeah. We,
2: yeah, yeah. They should have just installed, like, one of those pull-up bars in the door. Yeah, just, just left fucking him left
0: and to it. Too. Just fucking bulk
1: up.
2: It's the same as, like... <laughs> Ants as well, isn't it? Because that's the whole thing and like Ant Man that they can lift like hundreds of times. That's probably an exaggeration, but um, lots and lots times their body weight. <laughs> mm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that so I guess the period that I was writing about is the period when those things are being mm-hmm. discovered and that people are like seeing that in action so like there's I talk about it in the radio program but the balancing blue bottle which is the mm. kind of weird silent film of this upside down fly juggling like part of the kind of amazing thing of that is that at one point the fly is juggling another fly as if it's just nothing as if it's just this is an object the same size and weight as itself that it's kind of turning around as if it's mm-hmm. like candy floss or a bag of feathers or something so it's so it's an interesting kind of discovery about. So one of another of the films from the time is called The Strength and Agility of Insects, which is sort of a bit more prosaic than like The Balancing Blue Bottle or The Acrobatic Fly or the other kind of more exciting names. But yeah, that's kind of playing into it. At that time as oh, well. Cool. I mean,
0: I quite like that. There's something kind of interesting there in terms of like you know, um, yeah, like moving beyond the bounds of the human. Like, but it's always strength based. But I know that some of the other research is really focused on, um, like you were saying, the different kind of communication methods that people were finding out about insects at that time, in terms of particularly around bees and bee cultures. Um, mm,
1: yes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, so that the work that I did on bees, um, mainly around sort of James Joyce and Joyce's reading of Morris Metalink, who's kind of study the life of mm-hmm. the bee based on his own kind of beekeeping observations, um, was like a, a bestseller, like in the kind of early 20th century. Um, and thinking about the kind of possibilities of a language that's not only um kind of inaccessible to humans but that it's it's at that point, or, or actually kind of afterwards, actually in the 1940s, it's kind of discovered that this language of bees, this kind of tactile dance language mm. is like one of the most sophisticated languages um, that there is in terms of what has been discovered about kind of non-human and creaturely forms of communication. So that this kind of tiny little fuzzy creature is actually communicating in a way that is like highly sophisticated, mm-hmm. rather than just like, wiggling its butt which is kind of what it looks like it's doing it's just
0: what i do that it's but
1: (laughs) yeah in a very yeah and like it's sort of it's not only saying like there's some there's some kind of juicy juicy flowers would you say yeah juicy flowers dank flowers there's some like there's some really like juicy flowers over there and they're like exactly 3.4 kilometers away in that direction all with your butt
0: like how can you do that with your butt that's amazing
2: i know and then you contrast that with like clever languages of bees with nicholas cage and the wicker man being like not the bees which is just like
0: yes exactly
2: or like that was a communication yeah
0: yeah Yeah. (laughs) isn't it cool is it called like the? it's called a waggle dance isn't it like the actual official term fucking love that waggle dance um waggle
1: dance yeah Yeah, we we recorded at a Mm hive with this amazing um female kurdish iraqi beekeeper called norbash who um opened the hive for us and kind of showed showed us around mm-hmm. the hive she was she was wearing a bright pink bright pink bee costume in suit not a I was say, suit, like, wh- what <laughs> she was wearing a, a bright pink b-suit cool. and we needed to borrow one of her seats and she was like i only have pink ones so what one of us was wearing the pink b-suit as well Excellent. um and uh yeah so she talked us she sort of talked us through it and showed us it in action and did um, you see the queen she was saying yeah we did yeah so the queen is usually like marked up mm-hmm. like she usually has like a little spot or something on her and and it's kind of i think quite key to like when you open the hive to like check on the queen mm-hmm. and see how she's doing see if she's all right if she needs a cup yeah of you are babes yeah. um and um but she was saying it was interesting it was like yeah, this was like se- late September time, and she was like, "You're supposed to sort of tell bees your worries." Oh, like, yes, for telling the bees. The yeah, telling the bees. But she was like, "I haven't." She was like whispering by the hive, "I haven't told them about coronavirus, so we could just not talk about it in front of them." That's so, so wonderful. That's really lovely. She was kind of protecting. Mm-hmm. this. She was protecting them from worry, which I thought was an interesting idea that she was kind of yeah. keeping the. Keeping a space oh. that was like not affected by mm-hmm. all of the misery of it. Um, I think I think they people um, historically it was more common to have like a hive mm-hmm. at the end of your garden um, and then sort of going and telling the bees. I can't remember the exact kind of way that it worked, but it was a sort of way of like bringing good luck yeah. or bringing some kind of good fortune mm-hmm. in times hardship or difficulty yeah. something
0: to do with the honey as well i feel i can't yeah. quite remember but and it's nice that mm. their honey and their 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 ways and un, un, untainted by coronavirus did she tell them about trump getting impeached though because that would be great that'd be mm-hmm. i'd be it, i'd be straight out
1: there playing. to the bees <laughs> <laughs> oh yes Wh- yeah which time i yeah, know exactly so many I mean, times so good <laughs>
0: Mental fitness webinars and well-being workshops are available throughout the semester. You might also enjoy petting a llama.
2: In your professional <laughs> opinion, this is a good one. It's <laughs> the classic film *A Bug's Life*. Really, just an animated depiction of Marxist revolution. And why are ants socialist? And why, in that case, does the cap- caterpillar have a German accent? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like three parts to that question. Yes. Okay. This right.
2: is like this a- the most important mm-hmm. This is the first
0: one we wrote.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of question you get uh, at a conference yeah. when you you know you you're kind of you, you're a bit nervous and jangly from giving mm-hmm. a paper and then suddenly you're taken off on a completely yeah. different frame of reference. But it can be quite refreshing. That's the entire vibe um, we drinking, have here. <laughs>
0: It's it's literally, <laughs> this section is literally called the unconference question. <laughs>
2: yeah, which I don't think we've ever actually told listeners. That that's, that's what right. it, says it says in, it in our, our notes, that. our show notes.
1: No. <laughs> I'm just remembering the bit where the caterpillar is is suddenly transformed into a butterfly, mm-hmm. but with tiny yeah. wings. Yeah, it's so small.
2: Yes. Yeah. I remember your different butterfly. <laughs> I <think it> says. <laughs> yes
1: and is I, I mixed the two up because there's Bugs Life and there's Ants but yeah. there's like some really evil grasshoppers is that yes. Bugs Life yeah Bugs Life is evil to... grasshoppers I can't remember Ants is
0: about just that the anthill right I
2: think Ants is ants <laughs> <laughs> so yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, but, but it's with a Z that's
1: <laughs> yeah. why it's cool oh, oh. Yeah, it's also B, the
2: bee one
0: oh well? bee movie like I was B- going to B- ask B- make a question B- about a bee movie, movie B- but I've never seen it but isn't it about a woman who fucks a bee I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Or like falls in love with a bee or something. I don't know about bee movie. <laughs> That's why I didn't write a question. I think it's just B, you know. I can't, I
2: can't think of that really... anything.
0: I'm pretty sure. I'm, yeah, just, I'm 100% sure there's a paper out there about like romance in bee movie. I'm going to, I'm going to Google this. Bee.
1: Is it called like bestiality? Something, something like humor. Oh, like literally something life.
0: like that. Right. Something let's
1: right
0: come through Google Scholar. Come on.
2: But there's um because people on the internet have like taken B movie and then like mashed it with Nicolas Cage and the Wicker Man. They're like, this is a real B movie. <laughs> um, I want to see that. Is that a YouTube? <laughs> oh yeah there's, yeah, there's there's plenty of that on the internet. Okay. I spend a lot of my time on the internet on TikTok <laughs> with pretending. Nicolas Cage. Yes.
0: I mean, okay, yeah, so here we go. Um it definitely says that there's like romantic feelings for one another between the bee and the woman, but I, I definitely but she's a human.
1: Yeah, I don't remember any any human bee sex. I don't.
0: I mean, so it was maybe, a kid's... I doubt there's actual like you know full on okay. sex in, the, in in the thing.
2: And um, there's probably something to be said for like buzzing and like making that with like reference to vibrators, but like my brain's not there, so I'll leave you to fill in the punchline. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the strands make it funny in your head. Enjoy. So. Yeah. Okay. All right.
1: Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I guess you could frame it around something like a, a woman and her living vibrator or something. Yeah. Like a, I'd watch a that. Vibrator. Something. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Who knows? Yeah.
2: And then something about like there being a sting at the end or something.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we don't kink um, shame on this podcast, but that does sound quite unpleasant. <laughs>
2: Are ants socialists?
1: Actual ants or the ants film?
0: No, actual, actual, maybe either.
1: It's difficult, isn't it? Because often there is, because yeah, because this idea of like kind of social organisms and like there's a a lack of like um, individualistic sort of um, mindsets. But then at the same time, there are also still these quite, I mean, especially with bees and the fact that they worship the queen, there's still these kind of quite oppressive power structures at work. Um, and I think with certain kinds of ants, there are like there, there are there are dynamics of kind of sacrifice, mm-hmm. like sacrifice, like either self-sacrifice or sacrificing weaker members. I do remember hearing from one of the beekeepers at um, the hive that we went to on another cape on another occasion that bees like. If, if they if they see that, that one of their kind of hive is ailing, is ill, um, members of the hive will lift the bee out and leave it to die outside. Oh, okay. And so there's a kind of mindset of like avoiding contamin... I don't know if... Well, you don't know what a mindset is, but the, that's interpreted as a kind of avoiding contamination, mm-hmm. avoiding death and decay, because then that kind of attracts like mites and mm-hmm. things that then harm the healthy but it's quite cruel it's this idea of like oh you're ailing bye okay, goodbye you have been dispatched from the okay community. so they're not <laughs>
0: socialists they're tories
1: yeah that yeah like, that could be yeah <laughs> I, feel, I, feel, I feel like i don't want to insult no don't insult them to, no no no
0: but then that I hate it. It is tory these behavior, are tories are socialists we're here it's happened okay <laughs> <laughs> that's, our hot that's our hot take from this podcast yeah, yeah. okay Yep. <laughs> Which could, I mean, that can <laughs> yeah that will be because i mean because you, you actually have written about ants again as part of your project right in terms of their and i think also in terms of those that theme of sacrifice that you just mentioned as well particularly like i don't know along like, the themes of sacrifice and extermination that comes up around ants within literature
1: yeah i'm trying to think about ants actually i know that ants are often kind of figured in um kind of similes or mm-hmm. comparisons of- World War One soldiers, right. and and the kind of reduction of the human to the scale of like mm-hmm. ants, and like um and that and that kind of metaphor is actually it's it it goes further back. You see it also in 19th century literature to describe crowds seen from afar, mm-hmm. kind of people looking like scurrying ants, and I suppose um, it seems to have a lot to do with like the long range perspective that's opened up by kind of mass society and and then kind of long range technologies and warfare as well. The fact that the enemy is like so far away. Mm -hmm. And so you're kind of looking at these like diminutive figures um, and and how that kind of optic then becomes, it creates these parallels, but also these quite dehumanizing ideas of like human scale down. Um, But I think probably of like, in terms of like specific insects that kind of featured quite heavily, In the actual book, there were quite a few beetles Mm -hmm. um, and there were some interesting uh, kind of recurring examples. For instance, modernists are really interested in this example from um, a kind of popular entomological text, so a popular kind of study of insect behaviour about um, this particular kind of wasp called the hairy sand wasp that um, has developed a kind of instinct to paralyze a caterpillar in specific places on like its its body so that it's kind of injected with a venom that paralyzes it but doesn't kill it and then it lays the wasp then lays its eggs in well on the caterpillar its eggs hatch out and feed on this living again kind of banquet we're back to the sort of breakfast buffet um and that's that's kind of held up as this kind of fascinating but kind of grotesque example of an instinct that a creature is born with that it didn't learn. It's not a learned behavior or a skill. Um, and yet there's how it hasn't watched anyone else do it. Like the wasp has done this prior to being shown how to do it. Um, and modernist writers are fascinated by mm. that. And I, I, In a way I kind of feel like it says a lot about modernism. <laughs> and how modernism
0: is Feeding on the carcasses <laughs> of unsuspecting, paralyzed youth maybe
2: yeah <laughs> so so who was doing that like specific writers like what who the yeah so Proust
1: um, classic, we're, we're, classic. We're yeah so he read he read about it and um Samuel Beckett was interested in it um and Wyndham Lewis so Wyndham Lewis I guess is kind of in my project and maybe in modernism generally is sort of Seen it as as one of the kind of most unpleasant figures of modernism, but it's kind of fascinating in in his own way. I mean, partly, Wyndham
2: Lewis, the guy that did this stuffed owl, the anthology of bad verse. No,
1: that... that
2: might be who is that?
1: There, are, I think there is another Wyndham Lewis who's a writer. Uh, at another Wyndham Lewis. There's too
0: many of them. I mean, oh, it's oh, okay, but the modernist yeah. one. He's the one that has the terrible hair that literally looks like beetle wings, right? The <laughs>
1: I'd never thought it it does. It looks like he's he's got he's got the worst haircut ever. So he's the one who did blast, you know, the kind of big avant-garde. What a wanker! (laughs) Um, He was also um, for a few years um, a fascist, a a full-blown kind of. I mean, um, they
0: all dabbled, didn't they? You know,
1: (laughs) he was a particular dabbler. He, He wrote a book called. Hitler, where he described Hitler as a man of peace in 1933, <laughs> which didn't age well. Um, but <laughs> he, yeah, but his 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 sort of interest in and knowledge of entomology is, is fascinating. He's really interested in intra- insect mimicry, mm. so in in that kind of phenomenon, either of kind of blending into your surroundings, or in a few cases where insects will mimic. Predators, so they will, they will, they have developed a way of making themselves look like the things that want to eat them. Oh, the like the
0: particularly there's a moth that have the that look like an owl's face or an owl's eye. Yeah, yes. yeah,
1: yes, yeah. And there's a um, a kind of I think it's a caterpillar that has um, developed a kind of like swe- swelling. sounds strange! But it can kind of swell up so it looks like a little snake. Mm-hmm. Like it's got a kind of, um, but it's actually, yeah, it's, it, it just looks like this kind of really predatory venomous creature, but it's just like a helpless caterpillar. Oh, so
0: Clever. I mean, we've all got to get by um, somehow. That's what I do at conferences. I swell up and just <laughs> <laughs> pretend I'm really venomous and just, you know, just to get through the day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: I love that swelling <laughs> as a defense mechanism. <laughs> like, I, 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 swelling as an academic praxis.
0: I was th- I was thinking more about like the level of my ego, but I now realise it sounds more like it's a physical swelling, and that didn't really quite come across <laughs> how I wanted it to. Uh,
1: <laughs> there are many people at conferences who are who are swollen. They in are. Way, they I are. Guess. I wouldn't say that you. are. Oh, thank you. Of them, that's but...
0: very nice to hear. <laughs> I should try harder.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: in order to qualify for gold standard open access.
2: Um, So, I'd like to ask a question um, related to your new stuff. (laughs) I'm allowed to ask questions, I'm a (laughs) co-host. Collaborative. Um, So, um, it has been suggested that sex in T.S. Eliot's poetry is almost always bad sex, either libidinly limp which I can't say or morally viscous is that viscous vicious. or vicious, vicious Alex vicious also viscous it could
0: be morally because, viscous
2: it could be mm. um, so your recent work looks at this uh, fascination with crustaceans and the sea anemone so why is Elliot interested in all things clingy is it because he's bad in bed is it because he's kind of like-
0: it's because he's so viscous
2: <laughs> is he a limpet what's going on there is he
1: compensating <laughs> clinging on for dear life um
2: that's an interesting question it's interesting how you
1: started with the the kind of Elliot as a kind of bad sex kind of slightly dubious depictions of because I was a, I was immediately thinking of there was a really great um I think it's a kind of sequel to the first modernism and me too reading modernism and and kind of in the age of me mm. too that had some really great um essays on reading elliot in this age and like um there's a really good essay actually by cecile Vary, who's a really fantastic phd student that i would point anyone to to look at elliot and sexual violence um but i suppose actually there is a connection actually in that one of the examples that i look at in elliot's reading um, so, he's he's interested in reading about marine mm-hmm. life um, in the context of evolutionary biology, so Darwin, um, and also in the context of eugenics, which is interesting. And it's
0: dabbling, kind of little dabbler. Dabbling, dabbling. Uh, little yeah, dabble. dabble, cheeky
1: dabble. <laughs> and um, he, there's an example in Darwin that he underlines or sort of annotates. I'm still trying to get hold of the actual. Um, text that he annotated mm. to kind of see what the nature of his annotations are um uh, that my that my mentor has uh, subsequently referred to as darwin's sexy crabs <laughs> because it's about um, it's about how certain darwin talks about how certain kinds of crabs have developed really um strong hook-like processes he calls them in order to clasp the female during sex, mm-hmm. as a way of ensuring the most possible offspring. So to kind of, so there's something I- inherently kind of violent and um uh, misogynistic, and kind mm-hmm. of, you know, there's an image of sexual violence—the male clasping hold of the female. But interestingly, I feel, or my my kind of research is is kind of causing me to feel that that elliot is interested in a way in almost like the security of that, mm-hmm. as, as if. In imagining himself, this is a this is a bit of a stretch as the female who is being held because this idea of being most securely held um, is is something that kind of um, recurs again and again in Eliot's writing, and he seems to kind of cling to this idea of. Um, of being held of holding on and being held and there seems to be something that he sees in marine life because marine organisms are so like they're so well adapted mm-hmm. to clinging and holding in many cases because they inhabit a turbulent medium that's like trying to knock them knock them off the rocks and everything and 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 kind of um but i think he sees a kind of evolutionary mechanism about holding and holding in place um that 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 is sort of the opposite of what he feels the psychological condition of modern mm-hmm. humans is. Modern humans are essentially kind of adrift and rootless and sort of um, like kind of at a loss and ungrounded. And, and, and he kind of, it, it's so there's a kind of fantasy element mm-hmm. almost to it, this fantasy of being, he fant- at one point he kind of writes in a letter that he fantasizes about being a piece of seaweed attached and swayed and like this idea of almost being like held in place but simultaneously kind of there's like a rhythmical that's a very long-winded answer but i guess that's no, great there's yeah, yeah there's something there's definitely something going on in this idea of like i mean he wrote some very long-winded poetry
2: and essays so you're shanty shanty
0: i mean he was he had some really bad sex in that one too like you know <laughs> Yeah. But no I think that's kind of interesting so there's there's, there's, there. a, there's a tension then that you're kind of detecting there with I don't know the, this kind of slightly more uh violent form of clinging and the sexy darwin crabs which is great we're going to I have to ask more questions about darwin's sexy crabs um <laughs> versus this kind of more I guess more intimate kind of tentative sense of holding um yeah I don't know I I I wouldn't think about like sexy crab claws as like a clinging it feels far more penetrative and like i don't know steadfast and the cl- like cling to me just seems like a guy who just won't fucking like leave you alone like okay. oh my god give me some space <laughs> stop texting me so clingy <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i i did i found that, that yeah that association is really strong um and I, I did find a really good um essay though i think in granta that talks about um kind of mm. queer contemporary queer writing and um, and kind of stickiness and like what it means to stick to things and to be kind of, mm-hmm. to kind of have a sustained interest in certain ideas. And at one point, um, I think it's the writer is Kevin Brazil and he he talks about queer writing and mm. a good kind of clingy. And I, I really liked that idea and I thought, you know, clingy, clinginess can also be about trying to maintain mm-hmm. a kind of connection, like we cling on to things because we've developed some kind of attachment to them. And I suppose maybe part of the project as a whole is me thinking about like, what does it mean to be attached to like a weird, small alien sea creature? Like, why does that, why does it, like Mm -hmm. why might that be an interesting thing that a writer has become attached to? Because that's the other dimension of it is like Elliot is fascinated by small clinging forms of life reading about them writing about them um and so there's like there's the kind of effective sort of aspect to it as well as the like literal and then also like the kind of Mm -hmm. aesthetic I suppose um but yeah it's quite still quite I think it's still quite in in quite an early stage and um I I also find it really hard I don't know if you guys find this but this is just a sort of um a thing that I've found again and again in it process about yeah like i mean i would but anything. i have not been doing yeah. anything
0: for so long um <laughs> because i feel in many ways like a small limpet yeah. clinging on just trying to get through the day
2: <laughs> yeah well i'm being a limpet to my phd project who, which i'm trying to develop into a monograph so i'm just like this is still what i'm working on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then it's kind of, it's kind of absurd to think
1: that like, you know, we spend, we spend years writing this PhD and then before, like you kind of need, I think you need several years to like develop your PhD into a a book and you need that time and you need like, you need that space to do that. And but what I find so frustrating about the way things work now is that you're constantly being asked to flesh out and develop Mm -hmm. what's next to the detriment of what you have. And like that, that kind of for like that sort of forward planning the whole time and trying to, it, it can be quite like yeah. paralyzing for, for creativity and mm-hmm. everything. Cause you just oh, need that Everyone's time. always need very
0: that time clear like, as well. Like at the point like of the it diver, it's like the PhD is not the book and it's like, okay, so when am I supposed to then transform it into the book and who's going to pay me to do that?
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. And also when you're trying to plan for new projects, like I am rather unsuccessfully applying for like internal labor human competitions at the moment. And like, They expect you to come up with this completely brand new project that is quite fleshed Mm -hmm. out, but not too fleshed out because they want it to be new. You can't have been working on it already. And it's just like, so you're asking me to describe in detail something that I'm not allowed to know about in detail, but I have to show that I know what I'm talking about. And it's just this kind of loop of like, so what is this? Um, So it's it's that weird balancing. It's basically posturing, but like informed posturing, but you can't be too informed. Can't be wrong. And it's also the the,
0: the fact that oh, you have yeah. to come up with so many kind of like yeah. clearly um, outlined like KE or public engagement projects along with those applications as well, or, you know, or even for sort of like um, job applications mm. for stuff. It's just like, I don't fucking know because I don't work there <laughs> or I haven't done the work yet. I haven't done the research and you go yeah. and you spend hours and hours researching all these different things. Uh, you, you probably would not ever have to come into contact with. Uh, I, anyway. Anyway.
2: Yeah fine um i have a, a very important oh, it's question very important. i mean I'm, I'm i'm hoping that i'm hoping that you saw this because otherwise it will bomb but we can explain it otherwise um but because we've been talking about marine life do you think that fish mm. and kind of other kind of clingy things like sea enemies and stuff are much happier now that they're british
1: <laughs> yeah i did see this <laughs> I did see this. And I'm trying to remember what the first half of the, what 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 had they lost? Was it that, oh, their numbers are fewer, but they're happier because they're British. What well, was- no, it's
0: something to do with the, they were all rotting because of the different port problems that they're having in terms of shellfish transportation, And people are literally losing like tens of thousands of pounds, but it's okay because it's British rotting yeah, fish. We
2: took back our fish. <laughs>
0: I made them rot.
2: Yeah. So, uh, just for context, this is uh, so we're recording um, prior to this being released. But uh, today, Jacob Rees-Mogg claimed that the fish are happier because they're now British.
0: Thanks, EU. Cheers. So,
2: uh, do you agree? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No. Um,
1: <laughs> I I only glanced at that absurd statement earlier today.
0: I mean yeah. it was all bound up with the whole sort of like is army hammer cannibal it was just too much going on <laughs> it, really there is
1: this relentless news cycle there's no time to the long it. 2020
0: the long 2020s talking yeah. about periodization again
1: <laughs> but it is the thing about fishing is really interesting because that has become so central to brexit and like i think on mm-hmm. the day of like whenever it was when we actually left 31st of december like Boris Johnson wearing a tie with lots of little fish on it or something to kind of signal. Oh them. God, was he? Um, oh, this is, yeah. this
0: is. I, I find it really funny what the media kind of attaches to certain, um, I don't know, icons that people wear. Like what was it? The spider energy, big spider energy oh, back then. Spider energy was great. I love the spider um, energy. There's a lot, people really, really read into when the queen wears particular brooches. Mm. Um, I don't know how, I fell into a rabbit hole with this when I was doing a lecture on like, um, Mon- the monarchy and iconography for a course i was doing on like 17th century obviously um and i did this i'm, s- I'm such an expert, you're um, an expert in that. But I, I found this whole thing about like people saying like the queen is sending us subliminal messaging because she's wearing this particular brooch and you're like mm. what's wrong with people maybe it's just a brooch uh, oh
2: yeah it's like the free britney movement where it's like which is wearing yellow there's a reason like that Oh, that does seem to be legit, doesn't it? Um,
1: In terms of that she was signalling through her clothing and her Instagram posts that she needed help or something, which was like another insane story of 2020, I guess.
0: How Again, like where the fuck have I been? I've I've literally been inside my house. How have I missed this? Like I've got nothing else to do. Why am I not up to date on the Britney stuff?
1: I can start (laughs) sending you like some random weird stories if you like.
0: Please do. I would actually love that because otherwise, my, my day is
2: very boring. There's some really in depth podcasts on the Free Britney <laughs> Movement, and uh, it's, it's really, but it is shocking. Like, it, like the conservative ship is like total mm-hmm. bullshit. Because like... I get a
0: thousand hugs from 10,000 lightning bugs they try to teach me. To apply Donna Haraway's theory of multi species kinship have you had what are, What are the worst bug puns that you get do you get bug puns I mean I've got a few for you here but <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've had a lot and I'm very guilty of using them myself they're, they're quite a good, oh, good. ice especially when you're talking to people who are just like what what why are you doing this um but of course now I need to think of some I can't think of any so uh, what what were yours um I, I mean I
0: definitely got some at some point I've, I've they've also gone out of, basically that's my quick way of saying like I don't fucking remember any either.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. I
0: don't have
2: a short term memory anyway, plus pandemic and I was just like literal goldfish brain. I like I can only apologize. I mean the pandemic was good in the way like for this podcast because it meant that we actually got off our arses and did it thanks Covid. Ready thanks covid but on the other hand i'm sure we're less coherent now than we would have been had we just fucking done it in the before times yeah Um, yeah but
0: um, But i appreciate that we're establishing a baseline that is really low i I think that's Mm. important
2: yeah (laughs) if if, if things happen now and you know we get over the pandemic and it all goes back to normal which law it's not going to um like our content like it's just going to explode it's going to be through the roof it's going to be amazing
0: yeah. I can only imagine. I love how you said yep yeah, like that and nodded in like a really motherly way, <laughs> Rachel. You're just sort of like, yes, lovely. Mm-hmm. I'm so supportive. Does
1: that mean though <laughs> that you're starting with, you know, the kind of low content contributors such as myself? Yes. We're this <laughs> the sort of practice run.
0: No, actually we have been, we have been tactical. We were talking about this the other day. We're like, who can we get on that's got like clout or has some sort of following, And people who are, you know, they're they're active in the online world because we're not. (laughs) (laughs) Whose coattails can we ride to podcast success? Quick, invite them on.
2: (laughs) Who's got something on Radio Four right now? Oh, Oh. well done. By the way, like that's awesome. But um, could you tell us a little bit about that program just quickly before we really get into things? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I'm I'm very conscious just talking to you now that my left earphone thing may fall off while I'm talking to you. So that's the levels of professionalism that I've got to, I can just feel it's slightly loose. And it's I think it's yeah.
0: important that everyone understands just the, the limited resources that we're all working with right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so as I tell you about my Radio 4 program with broken headphones, I feel like this is a kind of fitting. Um, representation of the professionalism that went into Mm -hmm. it on my part but yeah so um, someone who I did the PhD with at Bristol, Leonie Thomas who did a wonderful PhD on um, the BBC and modernism and women writers and the kind of history of broadcasting through um, sort of modernist figures like Elizabeth Bowen, she decided I think pretty early on in the PhD that she'd Definitely didn't want to be an academic, um, which who can blame her, mm-hmm. um, and that she wanted to go into radio broadcasting. And then she very kind of cleverly uh, arranged that her PhD placement would be in um, a a sort of indie radio production house cool. called Whistle Down, and they. Um, they sort of provide quite a lot of the radio for content as we call it now in terms of like, they are a sort of so professional for making, um, programs, arts programs, but also other, I think they've got quite a range. So she, she sort of charmed, charmed her way into uh, working with them, um, beyond the placement as a freelance producer. And she's, ex- she is like extremely talented and just a wonderful person to work with. Um, and then they do a kind of, um, pitching round where they pitch like a load of programs to um, Radio 4 Radio 4 say, you know, yes to that, no to that, and, and, but they kind of give quite a, a broad spread. So she came up with loads of ideas for programs and one of them was um, a sort of modernist bug hunt um, that would that would kind of take the research that I'd done but try and kind of open it up to more sort of like engaging fieldwork based, going out, mm-hmm. talking to people, turning over rocks you know playing with earthworms all that kind of stuff and um and they like they like the sound of it which um which was really nice so they commissioned Mm it um back in I think they commissioned it back in the spring but there was some uncertainty as it was already a pandemic by that point Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to what extent we could actually make this program um but we did manage to make it um when there was the sort of uh, lull in the pandemic, if we can mm-hmm. call it that, when case numbers dropped to a sort of less horrific level. Um, she actually lives in France. She came over to the UK. We bubbled. And then we went on this kind of epic road trip down to Sussex. And um, and we were going to camp in Virginia Woolf's Garden or nearby. It's probably in a like a local camp. Yeah, site. I don't
0: think they'd let you do that. No, <laughs> not.
1: But um it was like late September and it was like close to freezing at uh-huh. night. Kind of. So we thought we'll stay in a youth hostel. Uh so we had a, a kind of uh fun couple of days down there um recording with people from the National Trust sort of supervising us and kind of looking after Virginia Wolf's property while it's closed. Um, which was kind of sad as well, because there's mm-hmm. no certainty about when they will reopen. And that's quite worrying for them and for the National Trust. Um, so yeah, so we did that. And then um, we kind of spent a couple of weeks, like, mostly Leonie, because she she kind of wrote the kind of whole outline for the show and put it together. Mm-hmm. She did all of the amazing sound effects, um, some of which I just, I have no idea how yeah. she she kind of created them. But yeah she, she sort of was trying to kind of have quite a varied soundscape running through it of different insects,
2: mm-hmm.
1: kind of um I was, I was going to say like no no bugs were harmed in the making of this program but then I immediately remembered that that was not true because <laughs> 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 this may be a career-ending uh confession but, um <laughs> we had uh the moth-like for uh, the moth trap in Wolf's Garden up all night to kind of lure in um, all variety of moths. Um, but we were told, you know, get back there for sunrise because mm-hmm. essentially what you're creating right now is a breakfast buffet for the birds. And if you leave that unsupervised, you will just come back to lots of bits. Mothageddon. Yeah, so you know, So we, we did, we, we got up really early Because sunrise was still incredibly early at that point and we got there Mm -hmm. and we were kind of standing right by right by the moth trap, waiting for our kind of expert entomologist who was driving down from London and he arrived with wearing a sort of entomologist's outfit from like the nineteenth century with like a dicky bow. He had his nets his pockets were jangling with like little specimen jars and he was just kind of clinking
2: along as he, as he was arrived he wearing like, like breeches like four by fours with long socks like just you know <laughs> cut below the knee like exactly. the countryside ah that
1: i didn't realize yeah, no, why sorry. that
2: still existed i love it like, I didn't,
1: because we were waiting for him by the front gate, and um, and we were sort of like, because we needed to direct him to where to park, and we just saw this guy with a bow tie and with the nets in the back, and we were like, I mean, that's got to be him. Like, who else?
0: <laughs> who else? <laughs> yeah, I love that you are sitting there. Being like, How are we going to know it's him? We don't know what car is coming in.
1: Uh, oh, I,
0: I'm, I'm pretty sure it's bow tie, man Yeah, that's that's got to be him.
2: <laughs> I. I would have loved if uh, it wasn't your expert. They just had some random entomologist cosplayer uh, come down to chat to you and then at the end of recording the real guy turns yeah. up and just like, like a hoodie. Yeah, hoodie and jeans, like I'm your guy. Who the fuck was that guy
1: with a fucking butt But he yeah, so he he was coming down. Um so we kind of had to guard the trap. But just every now and then, you know, we'd be kind of setting up a microphone or something, and you would just see a robin running off with a moth in its mouth and it was like the, the robin was so fast it was just waiting for that kind of moment of distracted attention so feeling a bit guilty about that
0: you can follow rachel on twitter at murray that's m-u-r-r-a-y rachel r-a-c-h-e-l 89 eighty nine eight. Nine. Or why not follow her on a modernist mothageddon bug hunt on her current Radio 4 programme titled Lady Chatley's Bed Bugs, now streaming on BBC Radio. Finally, Rachel's book, The Modernist Exoskeleton, is out with Edinburgh University Press. Why not give your valentine the gift of bugs? We've been long my praxis. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, a five-star output deserves five-star reviews.
2: No reviewer 2 comments, please. Shout out to our biggest fan and most consistent listener, my mother, Faye. You can get in touch with us by emailing longmypraxis at gmail.com or finding us on Twitter at longmypraxis. Today's episode was brought to you by the letter B and the number 89. Our shape this week is a bee's waggle dance. Remember to tell your friends with apologies for a cross-posting. Bye.
1: You could like tout this podcast as like a career-ending podcast, you know. Oh, I think we can. I think we should. Element, think. you know, will your career end after being on this podcast? Yeah, it's entirely
2: <laughs> unwrathable, and you will never
0: recover. <laughs> I actually really like that. We have been thinking about you know marketing campaigns, considering we have done none. Um, so I think <laughs> I think that's the that's what I'm gonna my practice. The career-ending podcast. Dare you try?